Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Eamon Clark, I'm in Hitchin, and I'm here with Troy Martin. Welcome to the book club, Troy. Hello, thank you for thank you for having me. Well, thank you for having me here. We're in the sort of <laughs> shared workspace where you've got your fitness studio. Yeah. It's a quiet Sunday morning, so we found a perfect time and a spot <laughs> to record. And we're going to be talking about some European comics with um, a 2008 connection. Mm-hmm. But before we do that first time on the book club tell us about your first comics and getting into 2000 AD and so on sure um, so uh, having listened to the um, a number of these podcasts I think my origin story is probably similar to a lot of uh, other people so you know growing up in the UK in the sort of 70s and 80s you you um, you're pretty much permanently exposed to, to comics at that age. You know, you'd go into a sweet shop and there'd be a whole wall of comics mm. or, you know, the, the local news agents or whatever, four boys, things like that. Um, when I was younger, I had sort of quite delayed uh, reading comprehension. Um, and if it wasn't for comics, I probably would never have read anything in my spare time. So my parents were more than happy to encourage that. Um, I remember my brother handing down a couple of Beano and Dandy uh, annuals to me so I had those and read them a lot I always had uh, Commando um, uh, is it War Picture Library oh yeah about, yeah. yes the Battle War Picture Library I think is it yeah. yeah yeah so you always had Commando comics that was something you could go to like school jumble sale or the Scouts jumble sale and always just pick up a job lot of of Commandos and stuff like that um, and I've definitely aware that the school library had some asterisks and um, Tintin books, so I definitely read those. Um, I was never into superheroes, and I still have very little interest in superhero comics. I've never really read any of the Marvel and DC stuff, save for a handful of Batmans. But um, as for 2000 AD, I do remember that quite vividly. I was It must have been a Saturday afternoon, and... I'm assuming I was probably pestering my mum and she wanted to get rid of me because she opened a purse, gave me 20p and said, here's 20p, go around the corner shop and get yourself a comic, which I thought was the most fantastic, most benevolent act mm. in human history at the time. And um, so I went around the, the corner shop, stared all the comics on, on the wall, was Warlord and Battle and uh, probably Victor and Valiant and obviously all the Misty and... Uh, Jinty and Spellbound comics, all those kind of things, and I picked all of them up and put them down, and I was fully expecting to buy a war comic, but I kept picking up this one, as I said, my reading wasn't great at the time, I kept picking up this one that's called Zuad, and um, it had a picture, I think, of um, a guy who was dressed like Shakespeare on the front cover, it was Prog 303, um, so that had Judge Dredd uh, by Ron Smith, in it, so that was my Ron Smith was my kind of intro right. to to Dread. Um, Robo Hunter was in it. Road Trooper, I think it was Fort Nero. Um, so, and coming from a war comics background, Road Trooper was instantly my favourite character in the prog. Right. Um, and then from that from that one prog on onwards, I just collected it daily. It was then like I had to negotiate with my parents instead of giving me pocket money. Can you buy me comics? <laughs> so yeah, it was pretty much that. And I mean, well, I love a story about comics, you know, 
helping us learn to read because I'm pretty sure I learned to read mm. reading comics and Alf Tupper and the Tough of the Track and I've said on another podcast my kids I'm pretty sure learned to read from Calvin and Hobbes mm. you know um, what about more recent stuff what are you reading these days so most of the stuff I read obviously 2018 magazine I, I uh, like a lot of people I fell out with 2018 sometime around the late 90s mm. um, for various reasons uh, and then I got back into it uh, about five or six years ago because um, I discovered on Kindle that you can read comics on there using the um, guided view where, mm. where if you know for listeners who aren't aware you rather than swiping from page to page you swipe from panel to panel which I found quite an immersive reading experience so I picked up some old Judge Dredd collections and got back into that and then resubscribed to the prog resubscribed to the meg uh, other than that as I say, mostly indie comics. Um, so anything by sort of uh, Image, Boom Studios, uh, Titan uh, comics, and a lot of Kickstarter stuff. Right, okay. Well, let's get to today's book. Let's jump on to the book we're going to talk about. Tell us what you've chosen for the book club. So I've chosen uh, Requiem Vampire Night, which obviously isn't 2000 AD or um, you know uh, British comics. It's it's a French comic, but is written by the creator of 2000 AD, Pat Mills. Yeah, so written by Pat Mills, art Olivier Ledroit, I think, or Ledroit. That uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I, right, Olivier Ledroit, we'll call him. Yeah. Ledroit. Okay, let's do that. Uh, lettered by Jacques Collin, digital editor is Lisa Mills, published by Nickel and the Millsverse. Uh, I think originally started in the year 2000, and I think Nickel. I was reading. It's actually it's a Millsverse publishing. Mm. It was. You know, Pat setting up a publishing for Europe, wasn't it? Right. And probably, am I right? Because if the Wikipedia article, it's Requiem Chevalier Night, which is presumably its yeah. original yeah. French title. Right. Okay, so uh, when did you first come across it? When did you start with this one? Can you remember? Well, I, I first became aware of it um, just seeing it coming up in suggestions on, on Kindle. Right. Um and then it was sort of during lockdown. Uh, Pat was on a, uh, like you know, when everyone was doing like Zoom meetings and, mm. and you know, you know, Facebook uh, interviews and stuff like that because everyone was locked in the, in the basement or whatever. Uh, and he was interviewed on, I think it was with uh, the guys from the seventy seven, um, I believe. Was that one of the digital lawless cons, maybe, or something like that? He did. Possibly, possibly yeah, yeah possibly um or it was it might have actually been a launch for space warp oh space warp right yeah, yeah 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 um yeah and he talked about requiem vampire night on on that and how it's well I, mean, I think we'll talk about that a little bit later on but how basically it's he's earned so much in royalties from this that it's it's basically his pension um but it it sounded Great, so I bought the first one on, I think actually it might have been free on Kindle, the first one, uh, and just fell in love with the artwork. Right. Well, we will be coming to the artwork, and we're also going to talk a little bit about the success of European comics Mm. and Pat doing quite well. Mm. Because I'm guessing, I should say, we've both got digital copies in front of us. We've both got our uh, tablets in front of us with the arm. Um, 
not so easy to get hard copies now over here, but I'm imagining in France we probably could still could. It's mm. it's quite popular there, isn't it? Yeah, as as I said, like he, it's sold enough that you know he 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 reckons he could retire on it. Right. Um, and as I understand it, with the, the French market, like you can buy comics in supermarkets. Yes. So it's, yeah. It's a lot more. It's a lot less stigmatised or frowned upon than it's always been in this country. Yeah. Give us the setup for Requiem Vampire Night. Just tell us sort of like the basic outline of what the plot is, the storyline. So it's, I mean, for the first thing I'll say about it is it's basically Pat Mills turned up to eleven. It's got like all the all the best bits of Nemesis the Warlock, Martial Law, ABC Warriors, Slain the Horn God. You take all the best bits of that and then roll it up in a ball with this beautifully full painted artwork and it's it's a breathtaking piece but the story is essentially um try and keep it as brief as possible the main character is uh, an ss officer in world war Two. he falls in love with a jewish girl fails to save her from the gas chamber um is murdered or or assassinated if you like by Nazi hunters and then wakes up like I don't know some a thousand years later in uh, resurrection which is a little it's basically hell um, everything's kind of backwards um, so the the morality of, of everything is you know everything that's bad is good um, and he's becomes a vampire knight and it appears that all the bad people are resurrected as Vampires or ghouls or some other kind of supernatural being, um, and the first the first volume is very much just a setup for for that and an introduction to the character and, and the world, and then each volume after that it just gets crazier and crazier and just you know Pat Mill is just having an absolute ball. It is. I mean, I like your description of it that it is Pat Mills at eleven. It it is. It's a, you know the one it most reminded me of in a way was Nemesis the Warlock yeah. with this crazy mm. um, other world that's got elements that we recognise and it's got all these horrible people that yeah. have become supernatural creatures. There's, I was reading on Wikipedia again. There's a quite there's, there's a whole hierarchy of mm. supernatural beings on this world, isn't there? Yeah, uh, like the the leader is uh, Dracula. Yeah, like he's of like course, the king, yeah. the, the king of the world. He's he's Dracula, but he's basically like Satan, if you like. Um, yeah, and you've got all these other characters in in later volumes. Torquemada actually makes an appearance as well. Right, They're the historical Torquemada, not the nemesis Torquemada. And I'm interested a little bit in the genesis of this series, and particularly in this idea that Pat has said in his book Be Pure Be Vigilant Behave that he pitched this to 2000 AD originally mm. did you re- I don't know did you come yeah. across that um, yeah I've read I've read the, uh, uh, the book so yeah I mean I'm kind of glad that they didn't because he's got clearly got a lot more freedom to to push the envelope a little bit more with this and the work that he's doing with Olivia I imagine like the the aesthetic of, of the book and the story are very much influenced by by the artist. I don't know how much uh, influence on the storytelling he, he he's had, but um, I can't imagine in 2000 AD it being as as out there as it is. Yeah, I mean, this was in the late 1990s. He pitched it originally. Yeah, um, and of course that was during his well publicised 
disagreement, shall we say, with the then editor David Bishop. Yeah. Um, you know, um, and it, I, as I understand it, it was going to be called a story called The Resurrectionist about mm. bad people coming back in this world. And then he goes off. 2000, he lose interest in the idea, so he takes it off and he goes to basically goes to France with it. I don't really know how and when he sort of met the artist and the letterer and formed this sort of European mm. publishing arm, but that's obviously what he did mm. um, and published it in France, where, as we've said already, it was incredibly successful, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. What about? Um, the topsy-turvy world of resurrection and the weird hierarchy and all the bad guys coming back. How well do you think Pat handles all that? And what sort of Pat themes can you see that he brings in? It's got all the Pat tropes in there. The anti-authoritarianism, the, he's very, very critical of organised religion. Um, in one of the later volumes, there's uh, a, a, a ghoul pirate who's the resurrected spirit if you like of mother Teresa, and her introduction is basically it's about five pages of of stream of consciousness narration from pat just slating um mother Teresa. it's not subtle at all right um so yeah it's it's a platform for him to to vent everything you know and like, like you say like a lot of the themes that are in nemesis the warlock are in are in this um but Perhaps more so, yeah. Very anti-authoritarian, very anarchic, and um, yeah, there's it's not subtle at times. He's clearly, obviously, he has sort of his well-known um, issues with organised religion, and yeah. that becomes part of it as mm. well. And then you get these weird because uh, requiem. This German soldier who becomes mm. requiem, he sort of gets, he goes through the initiation and sort of, uh, I don't know what you call it, conversion process to become a vampire knight. Mm. Pretty much the first volume, which I read on the Kindle, is Mm. that, isn't it? Him becoming the vampire knight. And we get some glimpses of the wider world. And there's an awful lot of... um, We'll we'll get to Olivier's artwork in a moment, but there's an awful lot of Kevin O'Neill craziness going on in the backgrounds as well, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, very... Like you, you could imagine, if this was in 2000 AD, Kev O'Neill would have been the, the perfect artist to, to, to render that. But as I say, uh, Olivia's artwork is just breathtaking. Like he's not just the quality of his artwork, but his page layouts are really unique and really stunning. And we'll just say volume one, which I've read. I've also I've also read. I got volume two as well mm-hmm. because it introduces. Uh, an important character in volume mm. two, which is, is is she Claudia or Claudia? Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but they're not they're not huge volumes, are they? They're fairly um, 50, 60 pages. Yeah. yeah, I imagine. I haven't seen them, but I imagine in France they're printed in sort of like fairly slim hardback mm. bande dessinée volumes, as they call them. Mm. And so on the Kindle, they're not they're not uh, each volume's not a huge read now. This is the bit I'm not quite sure of. Is there 11 volumes of Requiem now? Is yeah. that right? There's currently 11 volumes. Um, Olivier Ledrot is, is currently working on volume 12. Right. If you follow him on Instagram, he's been vigorously posting teaser images, um, panels and what have you, and the artwork is, you know, just it all looks spectacular. Um, and there's also a spin-off series uh, so you mentioned Claudia she's 
very quickly became my favourite character in it because she's just deliciously terrible and very funny. Right. Um, like, and she's basically a dominatrix, a vampire dominatrix. Um, but it's all sort of kind of very tongue in cheek. Uh, and she's got her own spin-off series as well. Yeah, I could sort of... I mean, I sort of knew already that she was a spin-off character when I mm. started Volume 2. But yes, you could see why she became, um, as we would say, a fan favourite straight away. Yeah. And I should imagine... Um, I don't see any Vampire Night cosplay at British conventions, but I should imagine at European conventions you might see a bit. Yeah, and they've definitely had some cosplay, like Pat and, and Lisa have definitely um, done some uh, collaborations with cosplayers online. Right. And I know they've had sort of launch events in France, he mm. talks about, where he goes to, and they'll have mm. presumably cosplayers or models dressed up as the characters as yeah. well. Yeah. Because, yeah. again, we keep saying this, but it is, as we understand it, it's pretty big in France. Yes, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, let's turn to one of the distinguishing features of the series, which is the artwork mm. by Olivia Le Droit. Mm. Um, this might be a comic that a lot of my listeners are unfamiliar with. They haven't tried yet, mm. even though it's Pat. Mm. Uh, first of all, describe a little bit about the artwork and then tell us what you think of it. Yeah, so, I mean, I've already talked a little bit uh, uh, about it. It's, um, it's, it's really quite unlike anything... I've seen it's it's full painted um I, so I guess it kind of has a bit of a 90s aesthetic you think back to you know like some of the, the Bisley stuff on mm. Home God and that kind of thing but it's uh, you know the, the the printing quality is a lot better so the the, the the colors and the detail is is very vibrant um yeah just uh, he's just a fantastic art artist his draftsmanship is is incredible but the the painted work is just phenomenal. As I say, some of the some of the pages, just the layouts of the pages, are so elaborate and so just really jump off the page. There is a lot of kind of imagery in there that some people might be com uncomfortable with. There's a lot of uh, I don't know if it's something that Olivia's interested in himself, but there's definitely sort of a, sort of a fetish fetish. S&M vibe going on and there's lots of sort of fascist iconography in there as well and there are pages with swastikas and things like that on there but uh, yeah I just I think it's just breathtaking work I mean it is extraordinary as you say painted artwork really beautiful obviously in this first volume quite heavy on the reds yeah. because you know it's a vampire story um, it does as you said, it's very... I mean, the, I'm sure people who are interested in sort of goth stuff and gothic stuff yeah. like this artwork because it's very much... And particularly when we get to Claudia Vampire Night, and again, you know, she's a sort of character. You can see why she broke mm. out and those costumes and everything yeah. break out. Um, yeah, it is absolutely stunning. I'm, I'm just looking at the back page to say that Le Droit's first collaboration with Pat Mills was something called Shah the Shadow One, a three-volume miniseries mm. dealing with witchcraft and reincarnation. So that's presumably how they first met. Um, it's not, he's not an artist that I know no. from you know anywhere else. I'm not familiar with that original series that he did with Pat. This is the first time I'd seen him, and it is just quite stunning. And we've already mentioned Kevin O'Neill, but he did seem like... Here was the European version of mm. Kevin O'Neill. 
And it's perhaps not a great surprise when Pat Mills saw his artwork and mm. thought, oh yeah, this is the one to do my series with, isn't it? Yeah. Because in the backgrounds, as well as the characters, in the background there's an awful lot of, again, that sort of Kevin O'Neill um, scenery, yeah. buildings, weird ships that they fly in, flying yeah. ships and so on. Um, it's tremendous stuff going on here, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like there's, the pages are very, very busy. Like you say, there's a lot going on in the background. The layouts, as I've said, are, are you know very elaborate, and and um, you know a lot of panels on some of the pages. You know, you, you get the impression that he's had a lot of freedom to express him, himself and interpret the script because, um, in, in kind of. At times, it kind of reminds me a little bit of um, Arthur Ranson's work on Shambhala. Oh, right. Okay, that's you know, interesting. Yeah. Some of the page layouts on there, look, there's no way you could write that in a script. It's purely the artist, and I, I get the impression that maybe that's a little bit what's going on here with uh, Olivia as well. There's, I mean, I often, without being in any way an expert or a reader of sort of European mm. BD graphic novels and so on, I often look at certain artists and say, oh, they've got quite a European sort of flavour. And Arthur Anson mm. is like that. I often think, yeah, he would do well in European albums or whatever they, they, yeah. they're called. Um, I'm fascinated to actually to try and track down a sort of French hard copy of one of these and see, because I imagine the paper's quite good as well. Mm. You know, this, is, this looks like it should be printed on glossy paper, shiny paper, to go with the artwork. Yeah. Um, at the moment over here it's mostly digital for us unless you really want to sort of hunt down back copies mm. or whatever um okay as the series progresses because obviously in this twisted topsy-turvy world they're all bad guys mm. you know bad guys have been reincarnated how does requiem the character develop is he a sort of does he become a sort of anti-hero like nemesis Kind of, yeah. Well, yeah, he does. Um, without sort of giving too many spoilers away, um, the, there's in the first issue it's teased. You see, there's um, there's like a, a gallery of artwork on on the wall and of past nights, and one of them's crossed out. Um, and Requiem might have some involvement with that character in late, later volumes I'm trying, I'm trying not to be too spoilery sure. here, but uh, yeah so the, his character very much evolves there's also the um, they have their, their victims uh, the, the vampires and these spirits are kind of bound uh, to them in, in the afterlife and it transpires that uh, the woman that Requiem uh, Heinrich, as he was when uh, before he died, uh, the woman that he fell in love love with. It turns out that she is his friend Otto's victim, and so then there becomes a uh, a conflict between the two friends, um, and it evolves from there. It, but it just every volume just it just snowballs. It gets bigger and madder and crazier, and there are more and more characters and more and more concepts, and it's at times hilarious. And at times, just crazy. Um, and like, you know, Pat Mills really having a lot of fun with this. And I, like I say, I imagine a lot of it, the, I don't know how much of the story is influenced by Olivia himself, but it looks like he's really put a lot of his personality into it. 
And we know that's one of the things Pat does, isn't it? Mm. That when he forms a creative partnership with an artist, mm. it really becomes a two-way process. You know, they, mm. they take from each other and uh, it's not just Pat saying, do this, do this. Yeah, he's always found these artists and then sort of, to a certain extent, stuck with them, hasn't he? Yeah, and I think I think that shows in this. So I, I, as, as the volumes um, go on, you can see that, it gets uh, not loose. That's the wrong, uh, the, the the wrong phrase. But you can see that it, it feels like he 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 kind of lets Olivia off the leash a little bit and just you know lets it go because the, the the artwork evolves, the the storytelling flows more uh, kind of freely. Uh, you know, the first one is very much just like we said. It's kind of a setup for everything, and then it just kind of just sort of. Yeah, it just explodes and goes mad after that. And as a sort of, you know, it's topsy-turvy, it's an anti-hero, mm. we've mentioned that the artwork leans into goth. Mm. Um, I guess the Matrix movie had just come out in 99 or whatever, so everybody was into leather, everybody was wearing shiny leather, mm. and the, the costume is quite shiny leather, they're quite sado, you know, there's that mm. sort of sadomasochistic, so, and so on. You mentioned that... Because they use the gothic imagery, the sort of, dare we say, Teutonic imagery, imagery mm. there's iron crosses quite frequently and occasional, mm. yeah, as you say, the swastika up, turns mm. up as well, which is, you know, always bothers us slightly, mm. isn't it? You know, but I think, it's, I think Olivia Ledrot stays the, the correct side of things, particularly as these are villainous characters that they're drawing. Yeah, I, don't, I, I think it has drawn some criticism from the fact that, you know, the main protagonist is a Nazi yeah. and was involved in the Holocaust. But I think it justifies that because literally they're all in hell. They're not good. You know, it's not glorifying what they've done. They're, no. they're, they're being, although it turns it on its head and they're technically not being punished because, you know, Pain is pleasure, and and you know violence is good, and love is terrible, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean they 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 have been punished; they are in hell for it. And uh, yeah, you're right; it does. There is a lot of that kind of iconography in there, but it, it suits the, the story, and and it's it's not just there for the sake of it; it's there to enhance the the story. Okay, let's talk about again because European comics. Um, you know, I need to look into this more about why they are so much more successful. Why, as you say, you can buy things like this in a supermarket just, and it's just like everybody does it. It's mm. normal. Um, you mentioned Pat and his pension because <laughs> he's been very clear about how the royalties for Requiem Vampire Night mm. far outweigh the royalties he gets from 2000 AD, isn't he? Yeah. Was he say like you know one year of Requiem Vampire Nights equal to forty years of two thousand AD? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, as I understand it, in, for two thousand AD you get paid a page rate, and then when a collected edition comes out, you get a percentage of royalties from that, which I believe is not very much, mm. like possibly single percentile, and and I can't imagine that you know a collected edition of say the latest Brink. Is going to sell anywhere near as much as, you know, e even like one issue of Wonder Woman, for example. Yeah. Um, so you're not going to get a lot from that. I, you know, I doubt. But um, yeah, the the um, model that they have in France, according to Pat, is the 
the publisher takes about 50% and then the two creators take 25% each. And, you know, if you're selling thousands of copies of this every every re uh, release, then you're getting, you know, a, a check, f you know, every few months you're getting a check for several grand mm. rather than, you know, a couple of hundred quid. Yeah, I mean, it does seem like, you know, at the moment, or well, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago, what you wanted to do was set, set up a comic and sell it in France and not sell it here, because that seems to be where the, the market is. Yeah. Um, and I presume, I don't know, but I'm presuming it still sells well there as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's um, a comic series that I'm working on at the moment with um, <clears throat> uh, Barry Renshaw from Engine Comics, and we've talked about trying to penetrate the European market because yeah. you know as you, as you say it's comics over there are just it's it's a totally different market to what it is here yeah. and you know there the virtually is no comics market in the uk now but even when we were, we were kids and comics were everywhere comics were just for kids and yeah. you know were frowned upon by adults where the european model sounds a lot more closer to like the japanese manga model where there's comics for everything yeah and actually you know we talked about the um, sort of the S and M imagery in this. There's quite a big market for sex comics in in Europe, which is mm. something that, apart from like George and Lynn in the newspaper, it's never really been been a thing here. I don't believe George and Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yes, okay, yes. Those was yeah. I used to turn to the George and Lynn pages, yeah. yeah. Uh, or when they did was what was the football strip they started? Striker, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then you had Axa as well, who oh, was Axa, like the, yes. you know, the, the the strong feminist woman whose the, clothes would fall off every other panel. That's right, the fur bikini barbarian lady. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Um, you, we've talked a little bit about how the series progresses. Um, Olivier, sorry, let me get it right. Claudia Vampire Night is mm. the spin-off series. Mm. They found, I think, Pat found a different European artist for that. Is that right? Yeah, I can't remember the artist's name off the top of my head, but. Um, it's similar in in style. It's painted. Right. Um, it's fantastic artwork in, in in that. They've just earlier this year or late last year they uh, released the first volume of that over here. Right. Uh, uh, so got that translated, and so volume one of that is is available also on on Kindle, possibly even from Mills Verse uh, website. I'm not sure. Right. Um, and they're on Global Comics as well now, which is a uh, another digital site where you can get a lot of very good um, indie comics so I'll mention that all 11 volumes are available on the Comixology Kindle app the first volume is currently $1.99 which is a bargain they do get more expensive as the volumes go on it seems mm. I don't know how many volumes of Claudia Vampire Night are there I'm not sure there's only one available only in, one the, in, in, in the UK right, right. I would love to see um, one of the French editions and just see what they look like mm. um uh, I'm hoping to be at the French Festival of Comics Angoulême next year with a bit of luck, so I might have a look while I'm there and see, just just out of interest. Yeah. Um, because, as you say, it's just it's just fascinating that they sell so well on the continent and not really over here. Mm. Okay, let me turn you back to the breathtaking artwork. Mm. As you say, fully painted. Goodness knows how long it takes them. I presume this is why. Mm. Volume 12 is taking a while, isn't it? Because it must be... This is time-consuming stuff. Yeah, I think he... he uh, Olivia Ledra had to... Was involved with another project. So it's been about... 
I don't know, it's, it's been a while. I think look, volume 11 came out around 2014, I think. So it's been a big, big break. Um, while he was finishing off another project, and then he, um, you know, and then he just picked it up at the, the end of last year. So yeah, I shall have to. Have a, I will find him on Instagram after this and have a look and see what he's been up to lately. Okay, well let, let's give you all the artwork, say from Volume One, yeah. including the cover, and choose a page or two or a cover. What and then again, we might be here with the growl pages, we might be choosing pages that we'd like to own, but not necessarily mm. hang on the wall, depending. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some of them uh might be a bit grim for the wall. But what, what have you chosen for your grail pages? Um, so page 11 is kind of a, a, a splash page with some almost very Kev O'Neill esque imagery on it, it's like a red skull and a few uh panels there. As he, I think it says he's transitioning to the afterlife yes it's very bold that would look pretty cool on your wall um, the next page after that as well is a two two page spread where he wakes up in this undead afterlife it's very striking uh, and then later on there's another double page spread um, of the city oh right yes yeah. yes um, with like a fiery sky and blood red river that's page 34 in in the Kindle and that just looks it just looks phenomenal I will say that page 11 your first page yeah does that thing which I love when artists do it does the close-up on Rebecca's eyes yeah and as somebody who cannot draw and cannot draw eyes I always love it when mm. <laughs> they do that Colin Colin McNeil did that beautifully in America and there is Olivier Ledrot doing Rebecca's eyes yeah and then, as you say, on the next page, he's transitioning to vampire knight or to vampire status. Mm. Um, yeah, and he doesn't stint on the red. No, there's a lot of red in this yeah. in this volume. Um, it's uh, yeah, like everything's like on fire or or dripping with blood. Brilliant. Okay. Well, as ever, I will snapshot those images. I will share them on the socials when this episode comes out and uh, so people can see some of this sumptuous artwork and see what we've been talking about. Mm. I've gone back a few pages. I was, trying, <laughs> I was trying to find a page that, again, didn't have too much imagery on there that I didn't really want, as it were. Sure. So I've gone back to him in the snow, which I presume is on the Russian front. Um, this is before he dies. Mm. And um, although there's no... Technically, as I suppose, there's no vampires on that page. It very much reminded me of um, Fiends of the Eastern Front. Yeah. Um, but here done by Olivia Ledrot. So it's a snow scene. There's a Russian soldier who's going to kill him. Uh, there's um, Heinrich. He's got a photo of Rebecca. And also a beautiful sky with birds flying through a sort of snow-flecked mm. backdrop. So I've chosen that one. Yeah. Um, another beautiful page. But, yeah, it's just... It's stunning work. It's absolutely amazing to yeah. be able to produce painted artwork of this quality and quantity as well. Yeah. Um, I've, I very nearly chose one of those earlier pages myself. If you flick over to the next one, yeah. where he's laying dead in the, in the snow. snow. And I nearly picked that one, but then in the bottom corner, it's got a picture of Hitler. So. <laughs> I thought maybe not. <laughs> that was exactly my thought myself. Yeah. It's like, that's a really great page. Bottom last panel, face of Hitler. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah no thank you okay uh who's on a sort of poster in the backdrop or something i think yeah mm. 
Okay, fascinating. Um, as I said, Requiem Vampire Night is available. The first one is very cheap digitally. There's other places to find it. You, you say you can probably find it on the Mills uh, site. And was it Global Comics? You yeah, mentioned? GlobalComics.com, which is kind of like the new sort of version of Comicsology. It's oh, totally right. different. Okay. Um, separate to Amazon. Um, at the moment, it's mostly indie comics. I think. Uh, I think they've got Image and Dark Horse have just joined right um, so yeah you can get some of their stuff AWA um, I've got all their stuff on there if you if you sign up to that um, on subscription you can read everything online oh okay um, or you can pay to download it right oh, that's interesting I'll put the links in the show notes then mm. instead of going to the horrible Amazon who actually don't seem to care too much about comicsology it seems no <laughs> strange no, they, didn't they lay off everyone that works for comicsology yeah. Yeah. yeah and they've done nothing with it since they've acquired it it mm. seems yeah okay so global comics might be somewhere to go I shall point out the Millsverse and global comics links in the show notes for this episode um, it's fascinating um, you know I'm, uh, I'd love to find out more about the success of European comics and why they do so well mm. um, but do get yourself a copy of at least the first volume because it's going to put some money in Pat's pension pot as well yeah <laughs> more so than apparently 2000 AD yeah Troy that's great um, let's talk about guest projects because you mentioned briefly you do some comics of your own yeah I read the five-page strip you wrote, um, and the artist is Torgo Wells, I think. Was that right? For the Bolt Anthology? That's right, yeah. Um, so the Bolt Anthology came out from the Sentinel guys recently. Lovely yeah. hardback. Yep. Um, raising money, um, you know, in memory of Dave Evans, yeah. who used to do, who was Bolt 01, who used to do mm. the, the, uh, the Future Quake stuff. Um, and your strip Humans, which I thought was a very nice, pleasing twist on a sort of well-known yeah. um, science fiction trope. So, yeah, that was great. Yeah. Um, how did you get involved with that one? Um, so I'd, I'd written some uh, scripts for um, Dog Breath right. and, um, and Zarjaz. Zarjaz. Uh, and I just had uh, David just um, uh, accepted a couple of my submissions. Uh, and then a couple of weeks later, he passed. And, yeah. and uh, so I felt like I wanted to, you know, pay my respects because it would have been my first published uh, work, uh, thanks to him. Um, yeah, so I got involved with that. They f they found the artist, um, David Torgo Wells, and I think he just smashed it out of the park. Yeah. I, I really love his artwork. And we've been talking about um, doing some other collaborations, and we've got a one-page story that's coming up in an, another Sentinel um, uh, release called Falcon, which I believe is going to be uh, a charity right. uh, project as well, but it's it's um, like based on the old Eagle oh, um, okay, comics. Cool. It's going right. to be like the, the big... Big uh, size. Yeah, right. the big size uh, comic. But yeah, that's, that's a one-page strip we've got in that called um, Pam Air's Pilot of the Future. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then in, in addition to that, I've got, um, I'm working on a, a graphic novel series, mini-series called Athelion with Barry Renshaw, Avenging Comics. The, so we should hopefully have the first volume of that uh, ready in time for Thought Bubble. Oh, right, OK. Um, I don't know when, when this podcast will be going out. but It will be around about then, mm. yeah. Um, I've also got a Commando comic that will be coming out later in the year, I believe. Um, 
so yeah, I've been pretty busy writing comics. You're busy. Yeah, um, it, it, it was like a lot of other people. I think it, it was sort of a lockdown project and a lot of spare time. So I wrote a lot of comic scripts, kind of honed my 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 writing, and um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, you know, there'll be more to come. Um, also, Sweet Nightmares. So that's a, just a little hobby project that I've got with a uh, a, a friend of mine. It started off. We the intention was that we were going to make short films um and then lockdown here and we transitioned to doing like prose and comics and stuff like that so you can find sweet nightmares on instagram or facebook um yeah that's yeah that's that's my uh, my comic well i'll put the links to sweet nightmares and the other stuff on in the show notes for this episode Mm. uh Try and track down a copy of the Bolt One anthology from the Sentinel guys if they still got copies, because again, that the money for that goes to a good cause. Yeah. Um, and yeah, exciting stuff. You're doing lots of work at the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In addition to running my own small fitness business, um, yeah, my yeah my my main hobby at the moment is just yeah trying to write comics and and yeah, hopefully that will be something that I can sort of become like a retirement plan maybe. Right, like pets and uh, vampire. Nap. Well, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not going to be a personal trainer forever. So, yeah. right. But that twenty p you spent on um, two thousand AD or zoo day, zoo AD. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that turned out to be money well spent. Yeah, that's right. It? Yeah, and I will just mention quickly. As you say, you're a personal trainer. Your fitness guide, sleep, lift, eat. Um, we've mentioned you know problems with Amazon and Kindle, but it is at the moment if you've got Kindle Unlimited. It's free there, isn't it? Yeah, so you can get it free, uh, Kindle Unlimited. It's, it's about 250 pages. It's evidence-based. Try It's as practical as, as possible. Try to make it as practical as, as possible. So it's like gives you, you know, a, a basic understanding of how energy balance works, how physiology works, and then kind of the things to focus on in terms of mindset, habit change, exercise, nutrition, all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's, yeah, so that's Sleep, Lift, Eat on amazon or you can find my fitness content at tm fitness uk on instagram or tm fitness on youtube again look in the show notes for this episode there'll be lots of links (laughs) excellent great stuff troy well you gave me an excuse to read um pat's work in requiem vampire night something that i was aware of but never actually got around to reading so Mm. thank you for that you're welcome um i can give you live on air your Mega City Book Club coaster, your appearance fee. Awesome, look at that. And also, I'll say that's the first of the new batch. Right. The, the, we ran out of the old batch, so that's the first of the new printing. We've gone cool. to a second printing on, the, on those. And I'll also add, just very quickly, that you are one of a growing list of people who've also submitted films mm. for me and Conrad to look at in Mega City Film Club mm. when we're looking at films that have got a some sort of connection or relationship to 2000 AD mm. um, or other British comics. So you're on the list for that as well. So stay tuned. Troy Martin will return <laughs> with a um, an interesting film, which actually I'm looking forward to re-watching. Mm. Um, but more about that probably early on in 24, I should imagine. 
Great stuff, Troy. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for hosting me here at um, Hitchin. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And thank you to everyone for listening to Mega City Book Club. Find all of Troy's links at megacitybookclub.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram, Facebook, Threads, Mastodon, Blue Sky, whatever other socials there are out there, and the 2008 forums. Email me, as Troy did, at mcbcpodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, when we're passing judgment on another great book, uh, from here in Hitchin, it's goodbye from me and... And it's goodbye from him. 